Pain's the same way, right? You find this entry point that's a little challenging within this window of adaptation, right? Minimum effective dose under the ceiling of causing too much pain. And then you just start to build up and you walk up the ladder. What's going on, y'all? Welcome back to the Struggle to Strength podcast, your source for real life application on how to turn your struggles into strengths in all things mind, muscle, and money. That was a great episode. All right, so... We just had a phenomenal conversation. This is with Dr. CJ De Palma, who Travis knows from Wad Prep, right? Yep. Homies yeah, I've been CJ for a couple of years now. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Guy. Solid dude. And I love his approach on how he goes about resolving pain for his clients because he's a physical therapist and he's the head coach of Wad Prep. And mm-hmm. a very interesting take, but I've actually been talking about quite a bit lately is just because you're hurt doesn't mean you can't train. And his approach to resolving pain and fixing injuries and avoiding surgeries, even for, you know, many, many injuries, even like, for example, ACLs, labral tears, he's got two torn labrums. Those things don't heal themselves. And he's still a very effective CrossFit athlete. Like just because something is broken doesn't mean you need surgery to fix it. And so CJ gave us, a lot of insight as to why and how that is and then towards the end of the episode we just asked him straight up dude if we're hurt what do we do like what's the best course of action and he gave us pretty much like what he called a two hundred thousand dollar step-by-step guide that he learned throughout his studies to us for free and it's super simple so if you are battling an injury basically if you're human because if you're human you're probably hurt in some way like most of the time something hurts, then this episode is is probably going to change your life in a really positive way. So CJ, thank you again for coming on, man. We appreciate you. Everybody, to our listeners, grab some notebooks. We will see y'all inside. Let's dive in then, dudes. So to our listeners today, here we have CJ De Palma, who is the owner of the Movement Doctor and head coach of Wad Prep. We've had Ben from Wad Prep on the podcast before. He put together a a really great episode about just online coaching and how we were able to sort of move into the online space. So now we have CJ here. CJ, it's great to meet you, man. And I'm excited to chat. And we were just diving into uh, some controversial ideology that you have that may sort of conflict with traditional Western medicine. What what is that? Um, Just to be clear, I'm not some sort of pioneer by any means and i've only been like i just follow the people that i think are the smartest and that have the most practical application of um of uh, of the evidence right and so mm-hmm. um so just to kind of back up i'm a physical therapist i practice and I, I primarily work with crossfit athletes and so that's my my base and so i have a very specific clientele that walks into my gym they're very type a they're very active, they're very very self-motivated. So this approach and this method won't work for your traditional, you know, goer of physical therapy, someone like our our average US populace, right? Like that person, this doesn't apply to, right? So um, a lot of what we do is, uh, is we focus on um, kind of this person in front of us instead of instead of the diagnosis, right? We don't worry about the MRI, right? We don't worry about whatever this pathophysiological um dysfunction quote unquote may be because we don't know right even with an mri unless it's trauma right unless they're really young it's dramatic right like a young baseball player with a tommy john or like a ucl tear or like an acl tear well acls kind of i mean there's a lot of evidence coming out mm. that acls can be managed conservatively yeah. um if you want to put the time in but we we don't have to get into get into that but these non-traumatic injuries so for your your weekend warriors runners you know middle-aged etc crossfitters weightlifters um that have shoulder pain and knee pain and these kind of things and uh, the way that we look at it is we just look at symptom presentation and just do we, we approach it with what we call like a step method you know um they didn't just have this big pop or this big you know injury and so we just kind of meet them where they are instead of trying to dig into this diagnostic approach of you know hands-on care and passive intervention and 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 that sort of stuff and so instead of worrying what the mri might say because if 
they lift constantly and they squat a lot. I mean, they probably have a meniscus tear in some grade, right? Symptomatic or asymptomatic. If someone's struggling with reoccurring back pain, they probably have like a bulging disc and the MRI doesn't look pretty, right? It just is what it is. But instead of worrying about those things, we just meet the person where they are. And so Travis has seen that firsthand and kind of what it looks like is basically, you know, we'll use a weightlifter that wants to snatch, right? Or we'll just use squatting, right? Because everyone understands what a squat is. So they want to squat heavy. They want to squat 400 pounds. That's their goal, but it hurts to squat, right? Okay. So what can they do? Well, you know, when I ask this question to everyone, runners and specifically, I'm like, they're like, oh, it hurts to run 10 miles. And I'm like, well, let's, can you run, you know, one minute? Like they look at me like I'm a dumbass and they're like, oh, can I curse on the episode? Is it fine? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, they look at me like I'm an idiot and they're like, yeah, I can fucking run 200. I'm like, then you can run. Don't come into my office. Tell me you can't run. You just can't mm-hmm. run how you want to run. Right. Just like a crossfitter. You can't train how you want to train. It doesn't mean you can't train mm-hmm. like weightlifter, powerlifter, bodybuilder, OCR, basketball, whatever. You just can't do it the way you want to do it. There's still so much range that we can train. And so we basically find out where their limitations are as far as movement expression, like where their pain is and where they can move pain-free or a little bit of pain or a lot of pain, et cetera, find out where they want to be. And then we just kind of like place them into this like ladder, right? Like ground floor for the heavy squat would be like a wall sit, right? Mm -hmm you know, or like skidding on and off the toilet, right. Or something to that effect. And it's like, okay, that's easy, pain-free. Okay. So then we take a step up. So then it's like a goblet squat or an air squat, right. Then we take a step up and it's like maybe a supported squat and then it's progressive. It's like, okay, so now I can do whatever I can do this squat pattern, but I have a little bit of pain. We're starting to add a little bit of load. Okay. This is where we are. You're still squatting, right. You're still doing whatever it is. And then we just start to build it from there. And then it's just progressive overload which is a a fitness term of just like basically creating stress so the body adapts. And so in the rehab world, we call that graded exposure because pain is a little bit different, but it's the same general concept. We, We expose them to some painful stimuli. That painful stimuli over time becomes less painful and then we build up. And so a lot of people might say, oh, that's them getting stronger, whatever. And pain just isn't quite that simple pain is like the most complex thing, like in the human body, um, uh, like, uh, like all of it. And so, um, uh, so we use that to kind of just slowly re-expose them to whatever the stimulus goal is. And we build them up, right. Usually it's some form of volume or load or speed or intensity. And then we progress from there the same way you would, if you want to get bigger biceps, right? Like you mm-hmm. curl X and then you curl X plus five pounds and then they get bigger, right. Pain's the same way, right. You find this entry point, that's a little challenging within this like window of adaptation, right? Minimum effective dose under the ceiling of causing too much pain. And then you just start to build up and you walk up the ladder. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, the reason this is kind of against a lot of methods, cause I don't care what the injury is right. Nine times out of 10, maybe 95 times out of a hundred, uh, as long as it's not traumatic, right. Back pain, same thing. It doesn't change the way that I treat. So we don't, we don't do any diagnostic measures when we evaluate someone, we just look at symptom presentation and like where they hurt during what movements and then get a really, really good history of what they've been doing, what their activity levels are, what they want to do, where their motivations are. And we call that motivational interviewing. And so, um, yeah, I'll stop for a second. So there's a lot of information to digest. No, that's, that's great. I love it. And I think, Anybody who's been in the fitness space long enough who doesn't like to not train, we would rather train the way that we don't love to than not train at all. Like, so we've been doing this for a long time. Um, It's cool to see it start entering your space. And I love that you kind of don't really pay attention to the MRIs because when it comes down to it, I mean, the majority of the people in the world probably have bulging discs. The majority of people in the world have injuries. And so whenever you know, I'm presented or a client is presented with an injury. I'm like, you can go get an MRI, but that just means that the doctor is going to tell you how they're going to fix it. And then you're going to think that's how you're going to fix it, but it doesn't have to be that way. I'm curious when someone like that comes into you, say it's, uh, you know, a a non um, traumatic knee injury or something, 
you said you don't really do much diagnostic or diagnostic testing. Are you, as part of your process, trying to identify what caused that injury in the first place, whether it's a muscular imbalance, something's not firing properly? Is that part of your process at all? Yeah. Um, those are, let's, let's make sure we revisit those like specific two statements that you said, mm-hmm. um, uh, and, uh, at some point, um, imbalance and, and, uh, firing issues mm-hmm. and things like that. So, um, we usually look at the history, like what does training look like? Like, what have you been doing? Right. And so when we have injury is also a very, a very loose term, right? Like what is the, the, the term injury means if you look it up like ISP or whatever, it's this like, there is a dysfunction in the operation or, or, and the structural integrity of the tissue. And so I have two torn labrums, right? I've had la- torn labrums for a long time and you can ask Travis, I'm a, I'm, I'm a above average CrossFitter, but I'm not a yeah. great CrossFitter, but, uh, I can do muscle ups and I snatched and I handstand walk and I do all the things and, and I have no shoulder pain. I had shoulder mm-hmm. pain for a long time, but they're still torn. Labrums don't heal. Right. So how, if I have an injury, I have this structural degradation of my labrums bilateral. How can I be pain free? Right. Like, how is that even humanly possible if injury is directly related to tissue dysfunction, right? Or tissue pathology or pain. Pain is the old school medicine of this uh, biomedical uh, definition of pain is like pain equals tissue damage. And we know that's not true. We know that's not true anymore. That's why people can have bulging discs and be asymptomatic, meniscus tear asymptomatic, labral tears asymptomatic. Um, so when someone comes in, we do a big history, right? So like for you would be a great example. It's, you know, Hey, what does training look like? Yeah, great. Okay. My pain started six weeks ago. All right. Well, okay. Let's, let's start at 12 weeks ago. What are those six weeks leading up to it prior? And then we can usually find some form of like change in exposure of training, right. Or, or, or a reduction of training or an increased life stressor. Right. And so we call that like allostasis or allostatic load with like, you know, it's like, what did, okay. So my pain started May 1st. Okay. All right, great. What did April look like? Well, April was blah, blah, blah. You know, my training was the same, you know, work was a little stressful. Okay. Let's talk about work. Right. Okay. Did your sleep change? Right. You know, did, so just because you have this pain expression doesn't mean that we had to have this tissue dysfunction pain in the actual biological tissue degradation is a very small part of pain that we've learned pain is super multifactorial, right? Like belief patterns, what you looked on Google, what, you know, the, you know, the struggle to strength podcast told you, right? Like, you know, like, (laughs) you know, like, like the things you've learned online, what your, your buddy said, the stress that you've had, the sleep, the food, all of those things, you know, this isn't some like woo woo Eastern medicine bullshit. Like this is science, right? Like Mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not a fan of like, you know, acupuncture and that kind of stuff. Like this is real evidence that shows that all the stressors will build up. So to, to kind of expose a painful event, right. Even if there's no direct correlation to tissue dysfunction. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I use this, the, the water, the cup of water analogy, right? So you wake up every day, your cup is empty. Okay. And the day starts to stress, right? The, the, the stress pile starts to lay on, right? You ran, so you have some stress. You know, you were late for work. You have some more stress. You have a late project, right? Life at home is kind of challenging. And so now this cup of water is filling up. And so once this cup of water is full and starts to overflow, it has to be expressed somewhere. And usually that expression comes out in pain. And usually it comes out in a place that you've had pain in the past, right? That's why the best predictor of injury is a previous injury. But people like, like, oh, I got wrist pain. It's like, you know, like arthritis and uh, this injury I had when I was 16 is still bugging me. Like, no, this is just where the body, it knows where to kind of express itself because that's like you learn how to be in pain the longer you've been in it, right? So do you see these kind of trends? And so we look at all of that, right? It's like, hey, okay, let's talk about this and and this, and then let's look at over our training overall. Are we just training too much, right? Or are we training too little, right? And so then we have this inverse effect of reducing our training so much because there's a lot of life stressors. And now our ability to tolerate any stress at all then expresses in pain because like our our like tolerance line is now low, right? And so mm-hmm. so that that's that's where we look at that. That's kind of what we do. So we don't do 
what we really don't do is like the concept of muscle imbalance or firing issues. These things have been pretty well uh, disproven in the evidence that like, you know, you can step up with a hundred pounds on the left, but you can only step up with 80 pounds on the right. Should you address it in general? Sure. Right. Like there's obviously it's like, oh, we see this difference from left to right. We want to be symmetrical, but we're not right. No one's symmetrical. Right? It's not it's impossible. And so um, and those things are usually good to show. And then the approach of addressing those things is very similar to normal rehab things. And then people just get better. So they're like, oh, well, now they're balanced and now they're pain free. And it's like, well, that's like a post hoax fallacy of like, because you did this equals this. And it just doesn't it doesn't. There's so many factors that mm -hmm. probably played a role in it. They're buy in. Right. Like, you know, you know, are you a trainer? I'm sorry. I, I don't even know. Yeah. Are do you train? OK, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. We have a coaching company here in Austin. OK, so. Um, you know, so this is something that a lot of people teach, right? Like Paula Quinn and like active life. And so yeah. they're like, yep. So that's what they focus on. I'm not, you know, I like them. I mean, it's not a dig at that. It's just this like muscle imbalance concept is it makes a lot of logical sense, but there's also a fuckload of people who have no balance left to right, back to front, et cetera, and are 100% asymptomatic. So there's a huge flaw in that nature now we find things hey you know it you my shoulder doesn't move this way blah blah blah. it's okay we'll work on it but to, to create that direct correlation to one thing it's not fair because that's not how pain works mm -hmm. pain is way more complex than like you're weak also <clears throat> weakness has such a minimal driver to pain because we all have a grandma who can barely get out of the fucking chair and she probably doesn't have back pain like we do after deadlifting 500 yesterday we're like yep. fuck man i'm really in a bad spot like it happens <laughs> right like it's, it's gonna be a rough day right so um uh you know the people that that like create these black and whites or absolutes like oh this the testing showed this this is what's causing your pain the imbalance that's no better than the mri in my opinion right because mm -hmm. now this person has now been they create this relationship with like oh my right leg is weak that's why my back pain but my left is in and, and these things and it's like maybe maybe and i'm not saying it's not but pain is just not that simple yeah and i imagine when that happens they also start to rely and lean on that that oh you know i have knee pain because you know my right glute doesn't relationship yeah they they create this relationship just like oh my uh, i have this like i have a bad like the term like i have a bad x joint oh, makes you want to punch someone in the face and i'm like hey, fuck that. you no you don't yeah. <laughs> no you don't you don't have a bad joint you have a bad mindset and some some fuckstick doctor gave you an mri when you were 11 and told you that it was going to be and so i have a great first of my wife was a, a phenomenal high school soccer player and she had a bunch of knee injuries, right? She got, she dislocated uh, a knee early. And so that kind of created this, um, you know, uh, the snowball of like reoccurring injuries and, and meniscus tears. And then she had some uh, like, like cartilage loose and things like that. And so there's a local surgeon who's a world renowned knee, uh, like expert, right? What does she do? She replaces knees, right? That's what she does. She's like wrote the book in the handbook on like, TK total knee replacements, right? TKRs. And, and, and so she told her, my, my wife and her older sister that if they kept playing soccer, they were going to have to have knee replacements after their that. first kid I in her. Then, and so she stopped, she had D one rides. I mean, granted I met her. And so it worked out in my benefit because she's like my rock star, but like, I wouldn't have met her if she didn't leave. And so I guess it worked out, but like, she's just like cold Turkey stop playing what she loved because of one sentence from a physician one time. Yeah. Yeah. World life changing information. And it's not that the physician was malicious and see, this is where it's a struggle point. They truly believe that. Yeah. And that's where the challenging point is because they're not malicious. No one's like, no, we don't want to give you this, but they only see injured people. They only see the progression. They don't see people that have these same degradations of joint visual appealingness over time because they only see people in pain it's like just evaluate a thousand highly active people that have no pain and you would see so many similarities in what would be the perfect knee to this like 
you know, uh, joint degeneration and, you know, no cartilage and all that kind of stuff. Right. Are there like, it's still think, much more common than people think. Do you think there are any circumstances in which like those doctors are correct? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. But not, not to a 16 year old girl. Yeah. No, that's not correct. No. And, and even if like some of them want to cover their ass. Like yeah, oh, some of the sure. doctors it's, just that, want that, to cover their ass. Well, that's where it is. Right. And so this is, this is like, you know, to get like, really tinfoil hat like insurance uh, is like the big I'm, I'm with you on this dude I, like, I and so, it's, yeah. <laughs> so like that's where it is right because like if they don't suggest that because they know it's going to work right so let me just make this clear surgery works mm -hmm. and it works most of the time right barring like spinal fusions like it's super yeah. successful right labor repairs you know tommy john acl repairs they work right but we're learning that conservative care and rehab and non-surgical approaches work almost just as well. And as we continue to get better at it, that we learn that they work just as well. Right. And if you can avoid the knife, you avoid the knife. Right. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Once you're cut open, you're never, you're, it's never going to be the same. It, it'll, it's different. It can work. It's different for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have most people who go undergo surgery still have complications afterwards. Mm -hmm. Like you're changing things, especially you mentioned spinal fusion, dude, if you have compressed discs in your spine and then you jack them back up within a day and they compressed over the past 60 years, like there's going to be complications from that. Some people sure. get staph infections and die. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <it happens>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's all the risk with surgery, but, uh, I was, um, we do, what we do is remote rehab, right. For, for CrossFit athletes primarily. And so we work with athletes all over the country and all over the world that are injured. I want to keep training. And so I had a call with um, a surgeon the other day. She's a plastic. And uh, um, and so she has a lot of friends in the field, right? And one of her friends is an ortho surge. And she had a, uh, a subscap uh, and supraspinatus tear, full thickness rotator cuff tear. Okay. So on MRI, that's surgical for sure. I was like, okay, what are your symptoms? She goes, I sleep not great. And I was like, okay. <laughs> Neither do I. Okay. And and then and she's like, I can't really lay on that side. I'm like, okay, you know, like when we when we start like really digging into like sleep limitations, that's usually for me a good indicator if you can't get it under control. Because if you can't sleep, you can't recover flat out. Yeah. Right. If you are it is keeping you up one hundred percent of the time, that's bad. And I'm like, what does training look like? Oh no, I, I kinda I do everything. And I'm like, you do everything. What do you mean? She goes, yeah, like just like threw her arm over her head, asymptomatic, snatches, muscle ups, chest to bars, handstand push ups. And I was like, none of that hurts. She goes, no. And I'm like, then why the fuck would you get surgery? Like, why? Like, because, 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 like, the MRI says you look bad yep. and you don't sleep great. That's why you're, that's why the guy told you to get surgery. That's not a good reason. Right mm -hmm. now, if you couldn't put your arm over your head and you had massive locking issues and you, you were like at, you were at 180 degrees and then now you're at like 90 degrees, great reason to get surgery, high functioning, relatively asymptomatic across all domains. Not a good reason. Yeah. One thing I'm really glad to hear you talk about and something that we utilize in our coaching strategy as well is the holistic approach. And I've never heard another PT talk about this, which is why it's really interesting to me. The connection that you've made between pain and the environment that that pain began in and assessing allostatic load, assessing other lifestyle environments. Um, do people ever look at you like you're crazy when you start asking about their work in their home life? Um, yeah, some they think I'm very woo-woo and I don't like yeah. that, right? Because I'm not, right? This isn't like oils and snake stress. oil bullshit but stress is real like yeah. pain is pain is unbelievably complex which is why each one of us like the greatest the example i've everyone seen major pain movie yeah no. i don't major know what think, really no. major pain the, the no i know the movie and i don't know that analogy <laughs> uh, yeah anyways okay so in the first scene he's like at war and one of his like his subservience right gets shot right he He's like a colonel and, and they're, you know, I don't know, officer or whatever. And, uh, and he's, she's, he's like, I, you know, I've been shot, help me, help me, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, let me see your hand. And he breaks his finger and he starts, he's like, oh my God, you broke my hand. And he's like, but your leg doesn't hurt anymore. Right. And so we can mitigate pain massively with small inputs. And this is where the rehab world is 
um, like high, high and mighty, like because someone came in and they did some manual work and now they have, now they're asymptomatic. They feel like this manual work was directly correlated to some magic tissue change. Like as if we can like dig into a subscap with our thumb and then like change tissue, we can't, we can alter sensory perception very easily. I can do it by blowing pixie dust on you. If I can convince you that the pixie dust is going to work. Right. And so sensory modulation is really easy. Right. But pain is, uh, the, the overarching of why all three of us get punched in the face and we all feel a little bit different about how we just got punched is completely complex, right? Mm -hmm. Your, your biases, your previous experience. Did you box? I didn't box. I hate getting punched in the fucking face. Makes me go blackout, blackout mad. Right. Maybe someone else is like, "Ah." yeah, I feel (laughs) nothing. Right. I'm Rocky, (laughs) like Rocky and the Russian, right. Just eats it. And so, um, and, and so the reason we all feel something different is because of all these complex multi-factors of, of history and belief and expectations and all of these things. And so you can't control those things at all. That's why everyone responds differently. Um, that's why the MRI is not that important. Um, but looking at their, their, their life leading up to this incident or this, like, you know, uh, this newfound pain is, is so important. And most of the time, like 95% of the time, you can correlate it to some form of training change. Right. And sometimes you can't. And then I just say, Hey, it's okay. You know, and like, it's fine. You know, like, Oh, nothing changed. Everything's the same. Like, okay. All right. Well, we're still going to train. We're going to exercise and we're going to let it do its thing. Right. And that's usually what we do. We just continue to train the best that we can with making the smallest amount of modifications that we have to, to adjust for whatever pain presentation that they have at the time. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hate hearing from athletes that, oh, I got hurt. So I can't, I can't do anything. I can't train. I'm like, you, you sprained your ankle. Can you train your left side? Can you train your upper body? Can you train everything else? Like, right. what's your take? I have a few actually questions. You mentioned manual therapy, but first, what's your take on, uh, you know, the, the, the Louis Simmons approach? Like if I have a, an injured left side, I'm still going to train the right side of my body. Do you believe in that carryover effect to help maintain muscle yeah, mass there's, and strength on the other side? There's some there's some evidence. It's called interregional yeah. dependence. And so um, yeah, I mean, we do. Do I think of training? So again, so like injuring the left side, right? That's like that's a big range too, right? Is it overhead? Is it horizontal pressing? Yeah. Is it horizontal pulling? Like what's your pattern? Like wh- where's your painful presentation? And so most of the time, right, pressing overhead in some fashion, right? Unless it's like a lat tear right? Yeah. Or a lat sprain or something like that. And so or strain and uh, which is less common. And I say that and I have like three athletes right now that like getting ready for the open. We did a lot of muscle ups and dumbbell snatches yesterday. And they're like, my lat really hurts. And I'm like, shit. Um, <laughs> as I say that, I'm just like, so, um, uh, but, um, but usually pressing overhead, it's like, okay, well, they can probably do some form of horizontal pressing. Mm-hmm. Definitely. They can do horizontal pulling. And most of the time they can vertical pull, right? Like a strict mm-hmm. pull up or a banded or a lat pull down or something like that. Um, because the way that the joint works, right? Like horizontal pulling and vertical pulling usually don't stress the tissue. That's like most commonly like bicep, like anterior bicep or like supraspinatus or like rotator cuff or whatever. So we still train the side. We just find the patterns that are, if they're pain-free completely, we train them normal. If they're symptomatic, we just train them less. And then we work in some of the, the rehab stuff right now. I don't even like to use it as termed rehab, right? It's just I call it like focused work, right? Cause like rehab and fitness are on the same spectrum, right? A squat is a squat is a squat, but for Louie and me and you, it looks way different as far as what that rehab squat looks like, right? His rehab squat might've been 600, 600 pounds, right? <laughs> right. For me, for me, sure as hell isn't, you know, like I might, I might one day stand up 600 pounds, like of a rack hold, maybe. Right. You know, and so it's different, but it's on the same, it's on the same spectrum. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yes, 100%, we train as normal as we can across all domains. And then we modify as little as we need to. And we use our training the way that I explain it to all the athletes. And I think this is why we get such good buy-in is because we're just going to keep training as fully as we can 
So you can move your fitness needle. We're going to make fitness goals and work at those too. And then we're just going to make small modifications for the rehab because the body's going to get better, right? Just make it, make it clear. No matter what you do, it's going to heal. Like people don't realize this, like regression to the mean, right? Is, is very real. Like tissue just gets better, right? Pain just goes away. Most of the time, like 99% of the time, everyone's like, well, I've had pain for forever. And I'm like, but you've had a lot of other pains in your life that like you stubbed your toe and you thought that you were going to have to punch a baby in the face. And then 30 seconds later, you didn't have any pain anymore. Mm -hmm. Right. It just goes away. Right. It will usually just go away. And if we're struggling for it to go away, then we address it and we make small approaches, adjusting load, adjusting range of motion, isometric hold, et cetera, et cetera, to kind of help it along, right? To create that sensory modulation and that mm-hmm. sensory adaptation that we're looking for, right? Because um, we just can't, we can't really mitigate tissue well, even though we're taught we can in school somehow, and we just can't, right? It just doesn't work like that. Um, and so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I have, to, I have to adjust my training all the time. Like you said, all I mean, time. If you're if yeah. you're training consistently, there's pretty much always something that's bothering you. Sure. And yeah, we have to adjust training all the time. I mean, I typically have for the past couple of years on and off issues with the knee and like I'll hack squat until I can't hack squat anymore. And then I pull it out and I do a banded leg press and it feels better. And then like, we're always making these modifications. Uh, I did want to ask you, you you mentioned uh, manual therapy and I've had, I mean, for years I've gone in and out of really really qualified and, and chiropractors, uh, body work specialists, all sorts of different manual manipulation specialists that I've found great benefit from. And I don't know if it's more emotional or uh, mental than it is anything else. And I think you're going to tell me it is, but um, I'm curious. I just recently started seeing someone who specializes in NKT neurokinetic therapy. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering what your thoughts on that are, because she gets so, right to a spot. Sure, it's really. Yeah, and so so this is like this is this is where this like sensory modulation comes in, right? Like mm-hmm. all in when you compare there's a science intervention A compared to nothing to get someone to feel better. Intervention A will always win. Yeah. Okay. Always doesn't matter what it is. As long as the patient is bought in and they believe that it's going to work, right? Now, I'm not saying there's nothing, but none of these manual therapies are actually creating measurable mechanical tissue change. Think about it like this. If someone's thumb or elbow or spoon or butter knife or whatever they're using, right? Whatever tool, guasha, whatever tool they have, okay, right? Or cupping or, or anything, right? If we could actually create measurable tissue change with that amount of force, there's no way ever you could squat 400 pounds. Like you just couldn't, you would just flatten and you would break and there's no way, right? So if we could create enough force to create, the the, the amount of force needed to create actual tissue change is like in the thousands of Newtons, okay? and usually that's very consistent with an injury right like a muscle tear okay and so do you feel better when they get done for sure right does it hurt like shit when they're doing it most of the time right when they dig and they dig and whatever and so this is where we have a phenomenon called diffuse noxious inhibitory stimuli and basically is so we have this level of pain right and so this is our baseline anything over this baseline is painful okay so we have this point well this person's now digging right nkt or manual or or whatever whatever specialty right whatever they they have they're all they're all exceptionally similar right when you really when you really dig into them but you know i'm not knocking any of them i think they all work in their own right um but work is a very loose term okay so we have this level of like baseline anything over this baseline is going to be symptomatic right we're going to have pain okay so when we have manual input most of the time it raises our baseline thus what was symptomatic is now below the baseline and now not symptomatic does that make sense Mm -hmm. right so your baseline is raised 
So now what you were perceiving perceiving as this painful is now less painful because of a painful input, right? Like the major pain thing, yeah, right? Broken finger, refocused, right? And so the mind can do that. That's what sensory modulation is, right? Which is usually why once you warm up, things hurt less. Blood's flowing, focus is there, right? Stiffness is gone, right? Stiffness is highly subjective. It's not measurable. And um, and so, um, and it's very person to person. And so, you know, all of these things start to, and it's all just adjusting the, the nervous system kind of connection to this point of um, how we're perceiving whatever that input is. And that's what a lot of these manuals do. Now, do they have a place? For sure. If someone just cannot start moving, I think it's appropriate. But none of them will be long lasting if the person doesn't move and lift and train and create resistance into right some form of external load or at least resistive load it could be against gravity that's fine um uh, because most of the time people don't complain of shoulder pain when they're not moving right so when they start moving again that's when the pain comes so if you never have rehab or therapy that has you doing some form of the painful pattern, that painful pattern is not just going to magically get better, right? That's why rest is contraindicated across all domains of all pain and injury now, because it, yes, things get better with time, but because pain, we're learning that we have these psychosocial influences. It, as soon as you start to do it again, the, the threat response is still going to be there. That's what pain is at its most base level is a threat response, right? That's why we can all have the same injury and have different levels of it because it could be less threatening for you, more threatening for me because I'm a crybaby. And, you know, and so as soon as I move in that pattern, subconsciously, we're going to have the same reaction if we haven't worked and progressed into that pattern. So we don't do any manual therapy, mainly because we do a lot of remote stuff. But even when I was I have a clinic here and I see people in person, um, it's all exercise based because of that reason. Mm -hmm. And I imagine the more capable you feel and the more confident you feel in being able to get into those movements pain-free after going through some sort of, whether it is manual therapy or um, some sort of modified movement pattern, I imagine that also stimulates the mental side of things to to help us realize that like, oh, we're okay. Like that doesn't yeah, hurt. For I sure. can do that. Yeah. Or find the wins. That's why I tell everyone, right? Yeah. Like, PT school did a great job of telling us how to diagnose people and like make them feel like shit, things are fucked, right? <laughs> like it's really bad. I thought I just had shoulder pain. Now I have like postural issues and all these other nonsense <laughs> diagnostic things that they came in. I was like, I just couldn't put my shirt on. Now I got all these things. Oh shit. So instead of doing that, like, okay, I diagnose it as you have pain moving in this direction. We're going to approach that. But I will always try to find the win, right? Mm -hmm. Like find a way that they can use that joint in some way that they didn't think they could. Because now it's just like, now they're bought in, right? It's like sales, you know, created a pain point. Now it's like, oh, gave them like the little olive branch, right? It's like, oh, I can do this. I can do something, right? And then that just kind of, you know, snowballs on itself. Mm -hmm. So to kind of like start wrapping things up then, if, if, People who are listening to this podcast have some sort of pain, which is probably every single person that listens to this podcast. For sure. Right. What it what would your best recommendation be for how they should start addressing it, knowing that it's probably more mental than anything? Yeah. Yeah. And so I don't I don't like pain is always real, right? So let's let's mm -hmm. like, you know, I, I don't want to run you guys over your time, but pain is always real. Okay. Mm -hmm. Always real. The factors that cause the pain are what are not as consistent as what people have believed, right? Just because it's not a tissue issue doesn't mean it's not real. It's just stemming from something different. Okay. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Right? Mm -hmm. Like if you, if you could measure it, it would be the same exact pain if someone had a labral tear or they believe they have a labral tear or they have like an old thing or whatever, or they just, yeah, they've done studies on this. Yeah. And yeah, so, and so the pain is always real. Right. right. Pain always comes from the brain. It's always real. Now, what causes that pain is what is there's just so many options and so many variables. And so um, the way that I always suggest that everyone is like, first, normalize pain. Pain is very normal. Medicine has done a really good job of pain is the sixth sense or whatever, right? which is bullshit. OK, 
Okay. Like pain is normal. Pain is as common and as normal as dying and paying taxes. Okay. Like it's just, everyone's going to do it. Everyone's going to have it. It's always going to be there. It's going to come and go. Don't panic. Know that it will most likely go away no matter what you do. Right. Except maybe like if you have shoulder pain, maybe like not try to like PR bench press like 11 days in a row or something like that. You know, generally normal thoughts, whatever your movement issue is, just slow it down, make it lighter, shorten the range of motion and find something that you can do that is pain-free or a little bit painful. Don't be afraid of working into low grade amounts of pain. Evidence shows that that is 100% the most effective way to work through a injury or a painful stimuli, right? Is low grade pain. If you avoid pain completely, probably not reaching the minimum effective dose needed to, to stress, to create the adaptation to move forward, whether that's a tissue adaptation or a sensory adaptation or threat response or whatever, whatever those factors are. We know that working into low grade, so zero to 10, keep it a five or under, right? That's like the, the general scale that I use. Okay. Probably safe. Just slow it down, shorten the range of motion, keep it light. Right. And if you can't do the movement at all, find the closest mimicked movement and start there and then work your way back to that pattern. And that's what we do. That's what we do with everybody, right? Yep. That's rehab. 100% of rehab in a nutshell, like $200,000 education. There you guys go. Like that's it. Right. <laughs> yeah. For sure. And and, and anybody so, who has hurt themselves doing, for example, like a dumbbell or a barbell bench press, 90% mm-hmm. of you, if you're experienced lifters, have just gone to a machine and done the right. same thing on and a machine fine. and it doesn't hurt and it's fine. Like yeah, for sure. This this all this stuff makes makes perfect sense. I'm glad that you're bringing it to uh bringing bringing awareness to it to to a, a larger population because I think for a while there people were just going and getting cut open and yeah then were they going to rest and they just or doing yeah doing or resting or doing, doing anything yeah yeah so this yeah, is this I, is I had a doctor tell me like never squat again because of my back pain basically. dude I've been I've been told that never so squat times. ever again I'm like well I go to the bathroom. Uh, yeah i'm a human never deadlift uh, ever again well i pick yeah. things up off the ground yeah How do you want me to <laughs> yeah, do it just that? doesn't make sense yeah. no yeah yeah um never lift again never i'm the first person who's like yeah nah, I'm, not, I'm not gonna listen to your <laughs> well it just doesn't make sense right like the logic behind it right and so this all stems from like you know that like spinal flexion is bad and you know or like yeah. these movements are not good for the joint and i'm like if the movement so humans are pretty robust biological figures right hashtag apex predator etc millions of years of mm-hmm. evolution there's a reason that all the joints work in a certain way if we weren't supposed to bend over and flex into the spine it would be a rod it wouldn't be a bunch of individual yeah. vertebrae if the shoulder wasn't meant to go overhead it wouldn't go overhead yeah. right like it just wouldn't do it yeah you know like if we if the knee wasn't supposed to bend below 90 degrees it wouldn't if the ankle if the knee wasn't supposed to translate over the foot it wouldn't the ankle would be stuck at at zero of dorsiflexion like it wouldn't these things wouldn't happen right and so the fact that they do shows us that it's okay to do these things right Ooh, i have a question on that actually if ready it, so speaking of knees translating over the ankles and limited dorsiflexion, if somebody does have limited dorsiflexion, would you would you rather change their squat pattern or rather have them work on mobilizing that ankle? Yeah, I've I've never had a lot of success like personally mobilizing ankles. Like it's hard. It's, it's a very it so I, I'm I'm a very like a, a good candidate. Like I have like super like thick Achilles. I was like a distance runner uh, for a long time prior to squatting heavy and things like that. So I don't have a lot of ankle dorsiflexion at all. And, um, and I've gotten a little bit more over the years. Right. Um, uh, So when you look at like actually like approaching like a joint 
a specific joint range of motion limitation, you know, like a hip internal rotation, right? Has like everyone gets it because of squatting and things like that. Unless it's egregious, I'm going to use the squat to work on the range of motion that's needed for the squat instead of doing separate mobility work. I try not to use that word because I think it's too it's very frivolous and doesn't really have a lot of concrete meaning. It's so like the ankle was a great example. Like if you need to work ankle range of motion for the squat, then you should probably be sitting in the bottom of a squat with flat feet as often as you can um so all of that specific stuff like if it's really affecting like you see someone that's just like pancaked over like they have, they're yeah. strong and they have good like they have like you know they're basically low bar squatting a high bar front squat yeah. right you know or like a front squat and 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 so because they just don't have any ankle range of motion they should probably be doing a hell of a lot of goblet squats right yeah. um uh load will create the tissue change that's needed but it takes such a long time right like just the like the band resisted kind of distraction work um might give you a little bit of of range in the time um but the load in the newfound range is what's going to be so so i i just stick to the load right so like get in the position that you're desiring and spend time there that's going to create the mobility that you need to accomplish that position in time right like snatching an overhead squat, you know, it's, you can do all the band work that you need in the world, but you just got to get in the overhead squat as often as you can. That's what's going to, that's what's going to help you the most. Just um, do, do the thing, right? Yeah. Do the thing. Squatting, squat. squat. Do the thing. Do the yeah. thing. That's right. Yeah. Um, do the thing. Yeah. My, and my last question, I know we're like running out of time, but I'm just, sure. I'm being a nerd here. Um, as far as the way pain presents itself, is there any difference in how you approach it? Whether it's like a sharp shooting pain, a dull pain, an achy pain, is there, do you find any difference between how pain present, presents itself and either how long it's been going on or how the modifications may need to go or your oh, approach yeah. in general? Yeah, for sure. Like when we have like nervy pain, like it's a different approach, that right? You know, shooting shit. Yeah. Yeah. It makes you feel like something's on fire. Now, when you, when you look at it, like the actual exercises, they look really similar, right? What's our, what's our presentation? How are we going to adjust it? Right. Okay. We're going to slow it down. We're going to shorten the range of motion, reduce the load or reduce the complexity of the movement. So it ends up being the same, the same way. Right. But, but like, you know, um, it's it, they, they all end up and so this is like where so i was in school and we'd have these like 200 point these 200 page powerpoint slides like on like the thumb right and you're just like and then and then you'd have like three slides at the end of the 200 how to treat it right isometrics resistance passive range of motion active range of motion mm -hmm. resistive loading and you're just like that's it same exact like five <laughs> bullet points to like treat this like these crazy complexity and so you just you end up treating everything the same exact way right like and when you don't or when you try to treat the pathology based on just the pathology itself like you could have a labral tear travis got a labral tear i could have a, but we could all present 100 percent different so if we treat the labral tear then we might not be treating the person in front of us right and so that's where the the the, the challenge lies which is why i just i don't care so much about what's happening under the skin specifically, I just need to know, like, what are you presenting with? What's the history, yeah. et cetera. Um, and so to get back to, uh, uh, to the question, yeah, everything gets treated a little bit different, but it's still based on how they present. Right. Um, if it's really new, maybe trauma-based, like, you know, like someone was deadlifting, right. And they got a pinch and now they can't even like look at their shoe. Right. Mm -hmm. For that person, you know, like, there's no bending over, right? There's like, let's just, it's got to come. So there's a, a, a great saying, right? So no matter what, right? In rehab, you have to calm shit down before you build shit back up, right? So if someone has a ton of red, white, hot pain, like you can't do anything, right? You have to just, that's the time where it's like, you can do, there's got to be something you can do, right? So like they can walk, right? They can, you know, do, there's something, right? Something that's going to just let them move a little bit but but yeah every everyone's treated just based on how they come in but like the dull ache usually is treated a little different than uh um, than like the sharp and shooty right 
but but not so much in the sense of because they're way different but that's just how the person's going to respond to whatever you're going to give them if something's really sharp and shooty they might not be able to do even a third of the range of motion but dull and achy might be able to do the full range of motion you you know and so it's still you're still treating the the exact the thing that's in front of you right every time that makes a lot of sense. yeah so everything does get treated everything gets treated differently but the the overarching method is the exact same for all injuries yeah that makes a lot of sense dude this is i this is a phenomenal conversation i'm really glad that we had to have we got to have this um yeah me too and i wish we had more time i'm gonna have to to run but i i want to i want to learn more about you i want to follow you i know our listeners are going to as well uh, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your knowledge and sort of like mixing things up and giving us a little bit of a reality check as to, you know, how we can truly manage pain in a way that doesn't involve cutting ourselves open. Um, yeah, so, for sure. Yeah. CJ, man, give yourself the plug. Like, where can we find you? Where can we learn? Yeah. About so uh, Instagram is just the movement doctor, the underscore movement underscore DR. Um, you'll see the logo is like right behind me this way that one that's what the logo kind of looks like we'll put it in the show notes um, too yeah link to and that. uh yeah uh facebook I, I think i have a business page there um and uh yeah instagram is pretty much it and then if you're looking for any type of training or rehab um uh, wadprep.com slash coaching and uh you'll work with uh one of our expert coaches right we have a whole team team of coaches and a team of, of pts that work remotely with athletes all over the world um that are trying to uh, just keep doing the thing, man. Cause that's what they want to do. Everyone just wants to keep training, which is great. That's what you should do. Yeah. Dude. So, um, yeah. I love that. I love that. Cool. Yeah, help, help people, help keep people moving. That's what it's about. Yeah. Yeah. Keep training. yeah. Well, see, cool, guys. thank you again, dude. I really appreciate this. Thank you to everybody who's tuned in. I hope y'all found this very helpful. Give CJ a follow, check out wad prep and we will see y'all next week.